Another stupid situation that doesn't really merit much explanation. Suffice to say, I saw another co-worker of mine, new person, and again, in a situation that had nothing to do with me, I was just observing the way they do business, the way they interact with people. This guy was flipping the fuck out. You know, how come this is going on this way? You know, I'm not doing it this way. I'm doing it my way, and it's my way, and I'm doing it my way. And his supervisor was giving him an instruction. You know, um, well, you know, the plan has changed, and we're going to be doing things this way. And he goes, I'm sick of the plans always be changing. The plans are always changing, blah, 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 blah. No, I'm not going to do it right now. I'm going for lunch. You ever see that in a working environment when somebody, you know, no, I'm not going to do this right now. No, I'm going for lunch. I'm going for a lunch. You know, some Joe Blow ticket puncher, you know, some blue collar roughneck. I'm going for lunch. All right, buddy. See you when you get back. <laughs> like, what's your point? Wouldn't you rather have the grace and fortitude to communicate like a civilized person then one day after all your hard work culminates to where you are an independent business owner to the point in which your business culminates to the point where you are independent in yourself instead of going i'm going for lunch you can like walk into the front office and being like hi it's been a pleasure working with you guys i hope we can keep in touch in the future um Today's a very sad, yet, for myself personally, inspiring day. I'm putting in my two weeks notice. I'm going full-time in my own endeavors. I've been very blessed to work with this organization, and um, I'm very thankful. And um, it's with a sad, heavy heart that I put in my resignation. Wouldn't you rather do that instead of, I'm going for lunch. All right, pal. See you when you get back. <laughs> uptown girl. She be living in her uptown world. Uptown girl. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramchurak. Reporting live for duty. On this magnificent March 20th, in the year of our Lord, 2021, welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. How you doing, folks? Glad to be here with you, as always. If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast, this is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, bellyache, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self y'all the dear listener y'all the dear viewer shared experiences kindred souls bffs forever yeah we're gonna be with each other till the grave till death do us part hi wayne hi (laughs) forever and ever Or until I get sick of it and just quit this fucking podcast, just storm off the set, you know, cause a commotion on TMZ, 
Dun, dun, dun. Breaking news. Jonathan Ramtran of Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, quits JR the P. I'm out of here, motherfuckers. Pack my bags and, you know, I'm moving in with Elon Musk. I'm going to fly off to Mars. Fuck y'all, motherfuckers. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Good luck. Good riddance. Until then, folks, we're going to be BFFs forever. Yeah. We talk about current events, the times of the time, you know, um, pop culture, entertainment, news, the whole kit and caboodle, folks. You can't go wrong. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. Yes. And if you're enjoying the show, folks, you know, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles. If you're digging the show, folks, please help my black ass out for crying out loud. Share me with a friend. Sharing's caring, folks. You know, it truly is. Yeah. Also, um, a way for y'all to support JR the P, you know? From time to time, I have um, products, products that I personally use and I promote through my Amazon affiliate account. I am an Amazon affiliate. I'm affiliated with Amazon. I work for Jeff Bezos. Well, his ex-wife, I guess, or whoever the hell owns Amazon now. But um, yeah, I'm an Amazon affiliate. I make videos, promotions um, on products that I use. You know, one of my popular ones as of late, the Sawtooth EP Series P-Bass. As I am a hobby bass guitar player, I recently purchased this P-Bass off of Amazon. Plays like a dream. It's a fun, inexpensive, stylish, introductory level bass guitar for like the new player, for the hobby player, or for the professional player just wants a new toy. So that's a successful video that I recently, uh, within the past few months, created. I actually sold one. And when, uh, when people use these Amazon links, it's of no extra charge. I just get a referral fee, a little kickback for driving traffic at no additional cost to the buyer, to the customer. So if you're the person who purchased this P-Base through one of my Amazon links, thank you very much. You know, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're able to um, make that purchase. And I hope um, you get some enjoyment, some lasting enjoyment from the instrument. I'm definitely still digging mine. Yeah. And let me know. Let us know. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Let me know how it's going. You know, plucking them old bass strings, you know. I'm hoping you're having a gas. And as always, there's always the um, free option to support the show. Hit that like button, you know, subscribe, share me with a friend, you know. JR the P, we're growing, folks. Hallelujah. So if you are new to the show, JR the P, I am an actor extraordinaire. 
Performer to the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. It's hot. That's one of my little running gags. My little running gag. It's hot. As an actor, you can never get away from lights. Whether it's a film set, whether it's a vodcast podcast, you know, whether it's the paparazzi, you know, showing up at your Italian bungalow, you know. Who's that mistress that you have trapped in your closet? <gasps> you know, lights. Always be blind in a motherfucker. Gets hot. Anyway, folks. Actor extraordinaire. And um, recently, actually just yesterday, you know, I was going about my business, living my life, and I just got hit with this overwhelming happiness. A grace just came into me. I'm like, you know what? There's more opportunity that I am happy, hopeful, and awaiting to grow, to grow into. Yes. And that is relatable across industry, whatever you do. Um, one of the hallmarks of J.R. the P. Um, I'm like a blue-collar, working type of dude. And um, I have the love and experience and the craft of acting under my old belt, you know? I've been flapping this old here jaw of mine for a moment, folks. Getting on stage as an actor, thespian, you know? I uh, diploma in theater arts, whatever the hell that's worth. You know, fringe stage productions, children's theater, independent film. You know, I've written scripts myself, improvisation troops, improv troops, um, just classic stage productions. You know, I've run the gamut. And um, that, that, happiness and willingness to grow which is relatable across industry whatever you do um if you're a chef a tradesperson an academic um you know a corporate person you know whatever your bag is whatever gets you that rush of excitement in a career that's what's relatable here and that's what i tried to put out at JR the P, Jonathan Ramchand on the podcast. Um, and I got hit with that happiness, willingness, and grace of growth. And another thing about being an actor, you're usually pretty long-winded, you know, you ramble on like a Babylon, like a brook, you know. I'm not going to say I don't do that from time to time. But um, I got hit with that happiness. I was just going about my daily business and I'm like, yo, like, I want to do Shakespeare. I want to do Eugene O'Neill plays, you know? Bernard Shaw, Moliere, you know? Like, I want to, you know, get into the nitty gritty. Arthur Miller, you know? Death of a Salesman, you know? I want to. Put my boots 
you know, on put my boots on the dock and get to working on some like heavy, fulfilling actor work, you know? I've been brushing up on it, folks, you know? I got my uh, William Shakespeare, you know, the tome of William Shakespeare. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that tome. Look at that lexicon. Look at that fucking hunk of literature. Yeah, that's the completed works of William Shakespeare. Shakespeare, you know, Shakespeare. We call me a spear chucker. Shakespeare. Yeah, William Shakespeare. Richard III, Macbeth, Hamlet, Othello. <laughs> Othello? <laughs> somebody's been, yo, somebody's done been sleeping with my woman. Yo, somebody done been sleeping with my woman now. Othello, you know, jealous <laughs> black man, uh, paranoid, jealous black man. Uh, you know, you know, Romeo and Juliet. Well, I ain't no Romeo. But I might be like a good, uh, I don't know, Mercutio. Didn't a black man play Mercutio and uh, um, the Leonardo DiCaprio, Claire Danes, what was it, Gus Van Saint, Sant version of uh, Romeo and Juliet? Also starring Jean Leguizamo. Wasn't he in there? A uh, bunch of other talented actors. I haven't seen it in a minute. But you get my point, folks? I want to do Shakespeare. You know? And I got hit with that, like, inspiration to, like, wow, there's so much yet to be unfolded and to grow into in my actor career. I'm not going to say I didn't shit the bed from time to time. That's definitely a truth of the craft, of the trade. You're going to shit the bed. You're going to shit your pants, you know? Piss the blanket, you know, lay an, lay an egg, a real goose egg, you know, zippo zero zilch, you know, just because you've been striding them boards, just because you put in the time, just because you do the duty doesn't mean things will always work out as you want them to, you know, we always... We don't always get what we want in life. Sometimes things take time. We need to have patience. We need to see the unraveling of a situation, of a career. And um, I've been blessed. I've been blessed to come this far and still have the interest and desire to grow at my craft of acting. You know, not exactly easy, folks. Can be a bit of a doozy. You know? Um, and it's deep-rooted, you know? I remember as a youngster, you know, gobbling up, just gobbling, gobbling up the old Shakespeare, reading Macbeth, Romeo and Juliet, Hamlet in high school. I used to get, like, A's. A plus, B minus, B plus, A plus, you know, I was really putting up them numbers when I was reading uh, Shakespeare in uh, high school. 
I remember one time we were doing a Macbeth uh, pop quiz. There was a pop quiz on a Macbeth act in my uh, grade 11 English class. And we had like this foreign exchange student. Her name was Gummy or Yummy or I don't know what the fuck her name was. Like Yummy or Yummy or Dummy. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck her name was. She was like a foreign exchange student from Japan. And, you know, she was just like one of them giggly types, you know. You know, she could barely speak a stitch of English. She'd be like, Jonathan, son, Jonathan, son, can I, can I borrow your test? Can I borrow your test? She wanted to copy my test, right? Like it was like a pop quiz on Macbeth, you know, act five scene, whatever the fuck, like some act of Macbeth. She wanted to copy my test. She could barely even speak English. Yummy or yammy. Sorry, I forget her name. But, uh, you know, yummy, she couldn't speak a stitch of English and she wanted to borrow my test. And like I said, I'm a grade A student. You know, I'm like, I know Shakespeare. I love Shakespeare. I figure out ah, whatever. Let's give yummy a hand. You know, welcome to Canada. So I let, I let, her, I let her borrow my test. Okay, yummy, you can borrow it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan's son. <laughs> eh, no problem, yummy. So then, you know, she copies my test. No harm, no foul. Well, I didn't think she was going to copy it verbatim. There was some, like, written assessment, you know, like, uh, you know, long answer questions. She copied my answers verbatim. So when the test came back, the teacher was like, yummy. Did you copy off of Jonathan's test? She's like, Yeah, yes, I did. Yes, yes. I was like, yummy, I can't believe you did this to me. Like she, she copied it verbatim. And then I got a goose egg. I got a zero on the test. First time in, I don't know, since at least grade 10 that I got a zero on a Shakespeare test. Because Yummy copied my long answer verbatim. I didn't know she was going to do that. I didn't know she was that stupid. I mean, come on. You could barely speak a stitch of English, yet you're going to copy a long answer question verbatim? She didn't even know what the hell verbatim means. <laughs> so it's like I had this love affair with Shakespeare even from high school. So much to the, so much to the point where even the... Uh, I think like a, there was like a... An English class, uh, my, my grade 11 English student teacher, I think she tried to molest me. Like, I really think she did. Like, she was enamored with my knowledge and love for Shakespeare. It just kind of, like, rubbed off on her. She was like, oh, Jonathan, like, you know, she must have been, like, 20-something. I was, like, you know, 15. And I remember, like, at the end of her, like, uh, tenure as our student teacher, she's like, Jonathan, um... Why don't you come back and see me after school? Like, got something to ask you. I was like, oh, okay, okay, cool. I think I had some weed to smoke or some alcohol to drink or something. You know, you're 15, getting drunk and high after school. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't meet, I didn't meet her for our. I don't know, was it like a date? I don't know. My student teacher wanted to meet up with me after school to talk to me about something. 
So, you know, I think she was trying to molest me. You always hear stories about this, like, you know, some young, fresh teacher, like, picking off some young sapling, some young stud, right? I think she was trying to molest me. So that's how proficient I was at Shakespeare. I even had student teachers trying to molest me, you know? So this thing is rooted in a deep history. My love of Shakespeare, you know, goes back to the cradle, so to speak. So growth, growth and inspiration in a career. It's so vital. And I was just stricken with that joy this week. And I hope that's relatable to everyone, whatever it is you do. There's ample room to grow. You know, there's no need to have any opinion other than incrementally, step by step, we work at it. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire. Yes. I am also a... Pardon me, folks. One day I'll have my own studio and I won't have to deal with this nonsense, trash of society, you know, car alarms, you know, fire trucks whizzing by every time you turn around. But yes, I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yes, uh, been banging that out for a minute. And one thing I've been doing lately here on JR the P, different concepts relatable to the stand-up comedian. I spoke about belief, the importance of belief in a stand-up comedy career. <laughs> I talked about the importance of fun, the importance of having fun in a stand-up comedy career. <laughs> And now I want to speak about the importance of resilience. You got to be resilient. You know, you got to have a tough backbone. See all this wow, wow, bullshit in the background while I'm doing podcast? Well, this is a form of performance, a comedic vodcast, podcast. There's like, you know, background interference. Very much when you're on stage as a stand-up comedian, you have to have resilience. Hecklers, naysayers, interrupters, you know? You have to have that resilience, that backbone, that gumption. Very important in a stand-up comedy career. And you got a lot of negativity. Yeah, bad things. Yeah, a lot of bad things. They wish and they wish and they wish on me. <laughs> bad things. A lot of bad things motherfuckers be wishing on me. You know? Not for any particular reason. Just because they're, you know, deprived. You know? Despondent. Despicable. You know? Dopey. Dummy. Dipshit. Dilettante. You know? Dr. Seuss. Mother Goose. Cat in the Hat. Fake ass fucking, you know? Clowns. Clods, clod hoppers, you know, trash, horrible people. These are the type of people that will try to destroy you in a career. Whether it be stand-up comedy, whether it be, um, you know, being a plumber, being a doctor, a dentist. Bad things. <laughs> they be wishing on me, you know. 
and for no particular reason. That's why you have to have resilience as a stand-up comedian. Case in point. Um, I'm very much in the infancy of my career. I've been doing stand-up comedy for like 13 years. And it's a trade that takes time. And there ain't no right or wrong way to do it. As long as you're putting in the time and getting on stage. And, you know, these are tough times now due to COVID. But fuck it. No need to worry about that or whine about it. What you have to do is find your way forward. And there's no right or wrong route as long as you're putting in the time and working towards learning and growing. So I'm very much in my infancy in a lot of ways. You know, 13, 12, coming up 13 years as a stand-up comic or something like that, 12, 13 or whatever. I have to count it at some point. But um, still very much in a learning phase. And... You know, so I'm working, you know, working towards my goals. And to fulfill that, to sustain that, I got to work. Blue collar Joe Jobs, you know. Hey, it's a reality. You know, it takes money to make money. Business is business. Hey, there's realities. You know, it ain't all goofing and goofballing and gagging and, you know, lolly gagging. You know, it's, you know, sometimes you got to do shit just to pay the bills, right? So, you know, I work day work, which I'm very grateful for. And, you know, a couple years ago, um, I recall, you know, I was doing, you know, just the basic lifestyle of a comic, gigging at night, working by day. So throughout the week, you know, I was on my hustle, on my grind, going to open mics, trying to make connections, trying to get in at clubs, you know, doing that comic lifestyle, that nocturnal hunt for comedy and that daytime grind working joe blue collar jobs gigs i was doing like construction laboring i was a site cleaner i would clean up work sites construction sites organize material sweep dust take out trash the whole kit and caboodle then at night i'd go do stand-up comedy and i was working for this one company that they They were pretty good to me. I enjoyed my time with them. They were giving me consistent work. They uh, were respectful of me. Even to the point in which I kind of looked up to a couple of the site supervisors. One in particular, um, I kind of looked up to him in a sense. I was like, you know what? He's a hardworking guy. He's a family man. And, you know, he spoke and dealt very professionally And he appeared very grounded. And I was like, that's pretty cool. If I can incorporate some of that into my stand-up life, that's something to to take note of. That don't kill me. Something to take note of. Incorporating, Incorporating a business sense into a stand-up comedy career. So then one day, he and I, you know, I'd been working with him for a few months, you know, a considerable time. It had been like, you know, five, six months we'd been working together. And, you know, the site supervisor, one day he just turns to me and he goes, cool, Jonathan. So, like, what do you do? Like, what do you, what's, what's your goals outside of, like, are you, 
Like, what what are your goals? Do you want to continue on in construction? Like, what is it that you do? We were just having a talking moment, right? We had never really kind of talked on any personal note. And I said, well, you know, actually, I'm a stand-up comic. <clears throat> yeah, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? At the drop of a dime. Hey, Jonathan, what's your dream? My dream's to be a stand-up comic. <clears throat> yeah, how's that working for you? A complete... 180, a snake in the grass, coming at me with smiles, coming at me with joviality, coming at me with je ne sais quoi, you know, juniper berries, you know, coming at me with a Jesus type love. And that's a horrible comparison because he was more like the devil, you know, just a little alliteration there, you know. Joviality, you know, Juniper Berry, Jesus. But he was more like Satan, you know? Prince of lies, darkness, coming at me with all these smiles. Ha, bad things, a lot of bad things. They be wishing, they wishing on me. Ha. Here I am, busting my ass day and night. Well, day. I was doing comedy at night. So I guess I was busting my ass day and night, technically. But anyway, I was busting my ass for this guy, doing a great job cleaning the site, good attitude, working with people, reliable worker. Then he asks me, so Jonathan, what's your dream? Yeah, my dream is to be a stand-up comic. <laughs> yeah, how's that going for you? Snake in the grass. Son of Satan. Luckily... I had a pretty cool answer. I said, actually, it's going pretty good. Um, I got a weekend gig. I'm going to be out of town this weekend, making a little money doing stand-up comedy. Yeah, like, I'm a gigging stand-up comic. He goes, oh. Resilience. That's the importance of Resilience. These snake-in-the-grass people, son of Satan, Dr. Seuss, mother goose, cat in the hat, fake-ass fucking dummy, Dylan Taunton, dipshit, you know, bottom feeders. People that could be your friends, family, acquaintances, work relations. You never know when they're going to spring it on you. You think that a person that, you know, knows you in a working sense relies upon you, somebody that, you know, I had a good working relationship with, you think he would be happy to hear that, oh, I don't want to just be some day laborer, temporary laborer, that, you know, I got goals and aspirations. You think he would have been happy for me, but no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how's that working for you? And that's relatable across careers. Whatever you do, there's people that are going to want to step on you. And not long after that, I kind of became a little bit more entrepreneurial in my pursuit as a stand-up comic. I started um, hosting my own gigs, putting together my own shows. Our Righteous Mike. That was a stand-up comedy show that I produced in downtown Toronto for like, uh, you know, this was like in 2019. Pre, you know, pre 
pandemic, I was doing like, you know, producing my own comedy shows, stand-up comedy shows. My very first gig, I had this drunken, crazed heckler in the audience, you know, your darkest midnight. He was like this light-skinned brother, you know, real snaggletooth, drunk. He should have just been tossed right out of the bar. He's screaming at me and babbling at me. And and the thing is, he, he knew the owner of the bar that I was doing my show at. He seemed to be like close friends with the owner of the bar. So I didn't really know what to do. I was so blinded by what I wanted, you know. I was so blinded by what I wanted. I wanted my show to be a success that I didn't just tear his ass apart like I should have. I shouldn't have taken no guff. But I did. I, I tried to have that resiliency, that backbone. I kind of, you know, I threw some jokes at him, but they just weren't penetrating. They weren't getting the point across. Like, yo, you need to shut up and back off. Wasn't really working. I had a slip up. I kind of shit the bed on that one, so to speak. You know, but I had the resiliency to fight the best I could, but I was blinded by my own wants. So, you know, it was kind of a failure on my part. Then there was another show in the series of shows I did, Our Righteous Mike, where I had this group of hecklers, these old drunken buffoons, just, (laughs) fuck you, (laughs) just babbling on a blue streak, babbling on like a brook. I confronted it and chopped them down like it should be. Put them in their place, handled my business. The show was, you know, a success for that night. I had another situation where there was this female audience member who was offended by something I said. I don't know what it was. Maybe I was talking about Dr. Seuss. Maybe I was talking about Peppy the uh, Pele or Peppy the fucking skunk, you know? Hello there, my little pigeon. Mademoiselle, where are you, my little pigeon? You know, maybe I was talking about fucking Pepe the fucking skunk or whatever. Pele, whatever his name is, you know, even though I love Looney Tunes. I think it was Pepe, right? Pepe Le Pew? Yeah, Pepe. Who doesn't love Pepe Le Pew? People are bitching and whining and belly aching in this day and age to cancel him. You know, they're just racist. They hate French people. Anyway, I was saying some fucking thing. Some female audience member gets up and after the show, she walks up on me, right? This comic was funny. That comic was funny. Then she pointed at me. But you, you need to work on it. I was like, thank you. She was like, I guess she thought I was going to like be offended by that or something. I guess she thought I was a wet blanket the way she's a wet blanket. But it didn't really penetrate, right? She's just like, you need to work on it. I was like, thank you. She goes. She waddles her fat ass off. Of course, she was a fat, frumpy, dumpy fucking woman. You know, the type. Miserable. She really hates herself. But anyway, um, you know, she waddles off. And that just goes to show you, like, resilience. People want to chop you down for no reason other than You want to be you. You want to go after your dream. You want to live your reality. And that 
threatens the world around you. People are threatened by your um, desires and goals and motivation. They see your accomplishments as their failures. Your strengths as their weakness. So that's why you have to have resilience. And it's so effing vital as a stand-up comedian. And across the board, whatever you do. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yes. Quick sip of water. Water break balls. Don't mind me balls. Now, as I've spoken on some uh, acting, comedy, career advice, motivation, talking points, as I've babbled on like a blue streak about these subject matters, I would like to really get into this week on the program business business in general to stay on topic this has been a big week for me in um, business in general yeah Um, one thing that's new in my life I recently started my own production company Noi Productions not of it productions noi productions um my venture moving forward is to produce my own content you know i'm already doing jr the p but i want to branch off into film docu-series you know bit more responsibility a larger scope And to do so, it takes money to make money. I think there's a lot of truth in that. As I mentioned, I'm a performer. But a lot of people have an illusion, and I've spoken on this many times, there's an illusion out there that the starving artist is the worthy, meaningful cause, you know? You gotta be a down and out, grimy, drunk, rough around the edges, sleeping in your car, sleeping in, you know, some bathroom stall, couch surfing, years of turmoil and torment, and that somehow is gonna validate you as a performer. Sure. Some people can go that route and. I've lived that route. You know, I was drinking around the clock, smoking weed, chain-smoking cigarettes, bouncing from men's shelter to men's shelter. I idolized, you know, the rough-and-tumble types. All my acting, stand-up comedy heroes were very rough-around-the-edges, kind of blue-collar dudes, hard-knock life living, you know. And I lived that for a very long time. In my performing life. And I thought. I also thought. 
that that was the way. Didn't quite work out for me. Doesn't mean that that can't work out for others. It's just not very sound business advice. This is a business. And, you know, you have to make connections. You have to cultivate your own talent. And uh, luck, you know, that plays an important part. But you have to be ready to capitalize on that luck. And it can't just be blind luck. And And in a lot of senses, that's what the starving artist mentality is. This is like... I'm going to be a stupid, bumbling idiot, and I'm going to just luck out into a career. It could happen. Sometimes it happens, but it's like wishful thinking, romanticism. And why I think that is a very prominent kind of romantic notion is it it promotes a sense of unaccountability. It promotes unaccountability. Whereas if you promote accountability... That means you have to get up off your ass and do something. Make money to make money. Takes money to make money. You know? Bust your ass. Work hard. Most people would rather be unaccountable. Just luck out and be given something. Well, the reality is like, well, you got to be accountable. You know, you got to create your own opportunities. You got to network you got to work hard and be ready for whatever luck accompanies you. Yes. So as I am moving forward with my production company, Noi Productions takes money to make money. I work. I work a day gig. And uh, rather, I'm a working Joe. I'm a working stiff. You know, I work blue collar laboring, warehouse, construction, retail, you know, working with my mitts, working with my hands in order to facilitate my entrepreneurial performing endeavors. So um, I recently got a new day gig. Yes. And, you know, it's quite blessed. It really is. It's like a warehousing type deal. Great hours. 7 a.m. till 4 p.m. Ample time to um, get things done in the morning, get things done at night, you know. And I'm treating my business, treating this new gig, this new warehousing job, I'm treating it as my own business, you know. If I can have the business discipline for someone else's company, for where I'm making my money, then I can in turn take that business ethic, business ethic, and put it into my business, Noi Productions, to grow myself as a actor, comedian, filmmaker. Yeah. Treating my business, treating my work as my own business, to grow my business. Very important, you know, because um, what I've been shown, what my experience has taught me, you got to work at it. 
So that's what I'm doing. And, um, you know, attitude. Attitude plays a big part. Um, you know, I woke up. Uh, it's been a full week that I've worked. And, you know, readjusting to it, learning from it, growing in it. And I woke up, uh, I think, like the second day of my my new job. I woke up and, you know, I woke up and I was laying there in bed, getting ready to start the day. I got to thinking to myself, you know what? I can either start the day like a bitch, or I could start the day like a king. I'm starting the day like a king. And that was just such great wisdom. Maybe not so much wisdom, but I don't know what it was, but it was definitely inspirational. Start the day like a bitch, start the day like a king. I'm starting the day like a king, you know? I believe in God. I did my morning prayer, connected with God, got up, stretched, and went for a jog. 4.30 a.m. I'm jogging. I'm running through downtown Toronto getting ready for battle to go in to my warehousing job, give 110%, treat it like my business, and then clock out and go hustle, grind, you know? Bust my ass at my job, my company, my creation, Noi Productions. And it's baby steps, little increments, little this, little that. But hey, Start the day like a bitch or start the day like a king. Start the day like a king is the point. Worked out, went for a jog, gave a commitment to my employer, committed to my job and my employer, and then in turn I put that into my company, Noi Productions. And I've also learned that whatever you do, which is relatable across industry, Different situations will present themselves. So it's like if you're, that's why it's important to treat your day job, your grind Joe job, it's important to treat that job with value and consideration the same as you would treat your own business. It's so important because one hand washes the other and similar situations occur. If I find it difficult to deal with people and irritating to deal with people in my day job, what makes me think that I'm not going to find it difficult and irritating to deal with people in my um, owner, owner-operator job, Noi Productions, the business that I've created, you know? The business I work at and the business I create, there are similar situations, you know? And I've learned that it's better to, and this is something I learned from um, the self-help business relation book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Check out the video I did on that. I did a review of that book. How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. One thing I learned is that it's more beneficial to try to change yourself than to change others. 
it pays to try to learn and grow and change yourself versus trying to change and grow and control others. Focus on yourself. And one thing I realized this week is like, wow, I really, I don't want to say that I don't like people, (laughs) but I kind of resent dealing with people where I don't choose to deal with them. That makes sense. Like I, I resent being imposed upon. I resent people walking up and talking to me. If I don't start a conversation with someone, you could be assured that I don't want to talk to them. Like the fact that somebody would just walk up and start talking to you. Hey, I'm so-and-so. This is like, Right up the pooper shooper, buddy. Right up the old poop scoop. Poop shoot. Fuck off. What are you talking to me for? Well, well, that's a situation that occurs in business. There are many moving parts, many people to deal with. And in this new role, this new job that I'm doing, I notice, wow, like it could be a symptom of post-pandemic moving back into society and integrating into a working environment after all this well you know transitioning into post pandemic learning how to deal with people and be around people again it's aggravating sometimes it truly is um <laughs> just some of the people that i've met so far generally it's been very very positive a lot of great positive things have come from this new job But also a lot of like, well, you know, there's me. That's me trying to control the situation. Me focusing on others. Really doesn't matter what other people do. All that really matters is my attitude and what I try to contribute versus trying to control. What I want to contribute versus control. Case in point. There's this one guy I have to deal with. It's a warehouse environment. We have to interact on a certain level. Just met him. And there was a situation where there was a bit of a lineup. It was a person ahead of me. And basically, there was a group of us, like three of us, waiting to speak to another person. So, it's a long-winded story, but basically what I learned was, oh, this person is a snippy weirdo. You know, you ever met a snippy weirdo? Like somebody who just like, in your working world or your work environment who, they're just snippy and condescending and weird. This guy like, you know, he's talking, you know, he's he presented himself as a snippy weirdo. I'm a snippy weirdo. It's like, like, hey, like, like it or not, buddy, we're just getting to know each other. We're going to be working together. And it wasn't nothing personal, and it wasn't even directed at me. The situation that I'm talking about here, it's kind of long-winded, not worth getting into. But suffice to say, there was a situation where 
I was witnessing his work behavior. I was witnessing him in the field, his approach to work. And it wasn't even directed at me. I was watching him relate to another person. And what it showed me was, oh, this person presents himself as a snippy weirdo. And doesn't that beg the question, why would you want to present yourself as a snippy weirdo? Like, think about it. When has anybody ever been like, you know what? You know who I need to meet? You know what kind of relationship I would like to foster in my work life, in my personal life, in my side business, in my, um, you know, entrepreneurial endeavors? You know who I'd really like to meet? A snippy weirdo. That's the kind of um, business partner or influence that I need in my life. A snippy weirdo. Why would you? And I'm just looking at this guy. I'm like, oh. And that's me judging, trying to control the situation, focusing on somebody else. Hey, if he's a snippy weirdo, that's for him to be a snippy weirdo. Why should I judge him and be moved to a resentment? Okay, he's a snippy weirdo. That should not change how I deal with him. I'm not going to let him dictate my business ethic, my working ethics. I'm not going to be resentful and snippy back to him. I'm going to treat him with a golden rule, Christ love. Do unto others as you would have done unto you. Isn't it true that at times I wish people had patience with me? Isn't it true that at times I wish people took the time to work with me instead of against me? Yeah, he's a snippy weirdo and he presents himself as a snippy weirdo. That's cool, but it's not going to infect or change the way I do business. And in treating this business relation in my day gig, that ethic will translate into my business, Noi Productions. There's going to be times. I've already experienced it. You know, like um, for the for the podcast, JR the P, there's times when I hire like, you know, a graphic artist to do some work for the show or like a photographer. There's times when I've had to employ people and it's like, wow. Even when you pay people sometimes, wow. You get a little bit of snippiness, a little bit of attitude, a little bit of arrogance, condescension, ego. But hey, rather than let that infect the way I do business, why not focus on myself and grow from it? You know? Focus on myself instead of being so outwardly engaged. Another case in point. Another stupid situation that doesn't really merit much explanation. Suffice to say, I saw another co-worker of mine. New person. And again, in a situation that had nothing to do with me. I was just observing 
the way they do business, the way they interact with people. This guy was flipping the fuck out. Ah, you know, how come this is going on this way? You know, I'm not doing it this way. I'm doing it my way and it's my way and I'm doing it my way. And his supervisor was giving him an instruction. You know, um, well, you know, the plan has changed and we're going to be doing things this way. And he goes, I'm sick of the plans always be changing. The plans are always changing, blah, 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 blah. No, I'm not going to do it right now. I'm going for lunch. <laughs> you ever see that in a working environment when somebody, you know, no, I'm not going to do this right now. No, I'm going for lunch. I'm going for a lunch, you know, some Joe Blow ticket puncher, you know, some blue collar roughneck. I'm going for lunch. All right, buddy. See you when you get back. <laughs> like, what's your point? Wouldn't you rather have the grace and fortitude to communicate like a civilized person than one day after all your hard work culminates to where you are an independent business owner? To the point in which your business culminates to the point where you are independent in yourself. Instead of going, I'm going for lunch. You can like walk into the front office and being like, hi, it's been a pleasure working with you guys. I hope we can keep in touch in the future. Um, today's a very sad yet for myself personally inspiring day, huh? I'm putting in my two weeks notice. I'm going full-time in my own endeavors. I've been very blessed to work with this organization, and um, I'm very thankful. And um, it's with a sad, heavy heart that I put in my resignation. <laughs> Wouldn't you rather do that instead of, I'm going for lunch? <laughs> All right, pal, see you when you get back. And that's the importance of like, you know, putting your focus on yourself and, you know, and also his absurdity. He was like freaking out and being all upset at his boss for changing the plans. Do you even know why you have a job? You're there to fulfill the needs of your employer. It's their company. It's their business. They know their company. They know their business. They hire you to fulfill a duty. If they come up to you and go, hey, guess what? The duty has changed. The needs for the day have been changed. Your response should be, okay, I'm here to fulfill that duty. It's my duty to please that booty. That should be your response to your employer. Not, I'm sick of the... The plans always be changing. I'm sick of the plans changing. It's like, it's not your plan, idiot. It's your company's plan. That's why you're hired. You are there to fulfill the plans of your employer. Not your own plans. Not your own ideas and whims and fancies. You know, it's absurd <laughs> to get upset by that. I'm very grateful that, you know, I can keep my eyes on myself, know what's for me to know, and I'm working on my business, myself. And, you know, if the company comes and tells me, hey, Jonathan, we need you to 
Do something else today, buddy. This is what the company needs of you today. No problem, boss. Show me what you want me to do. Whatever, cool. It's your company. Why would I get upset by that? I don't care. I care to fulfill the needs of my company, my employer. My employer tells me to do something, I do it. Whatever. And in that discipline, I fuel the discipline of my personal company, my personal dream, Noi Productions. And again, you know, um, I could focus on others or I can focus on myself. That's so important. That's the point I'm trying to convey here. It's so important to focus on myself versus focusing on others. Again, um, during this time of COVID, there's like, you know, a lot of health and safety checks. You know, whenever you enter a building, a lot of different working environments, you know, they take your temperature with a temperature gun. They ask you a bunch of questions. Have you traveled out of country? Have you been around anybody contaminated with COVID-19? <coughs> you know, in the last two weeks, you know, they got a litany of questions. And, you know, a lot of times there are security checks. They go through your bag, this, that, and the other. I'm new to this new job. I'm going through security. I'm going through all these formalities. And there were a couple um, security guards, these uh, female security guards. Kind of, one was very, one was very like, just rude. Straight up rude. And again, just nonsensical, stupid shit that doesn't merit any real explanation other than she was rude. She was rude to me for no reason. And there was a point in which I saw her interacting with my supervisor. And she was rude to my supervisor. So that just goes to show it was nothing personal. This is just a rude person. And I found myself at times somewhat engaged. It felt very personal. And it's like, why is this person so rude and blind? Blind to themselves and obnoxious. Better question, what does that have to do with me? That's the better question. What does that have to do with me? The question isn't, why is that person rude and obnoxious? The question is, what does that have to do with me? Let it go. Another situation. A different security guard. <laughs> She's supposed to be at her post. There are several entrances to the building. There's one entrance that is closer for me, my department. And then there's another entrance, which is on the other side of the building. So I go to my entrance for my department. No security guard. That means I can't enter. So I walk all the way to the other side of the building to go to that entrance. I get at that entrance. There's a security guard chatting it up with the other security guard, the security guard for that post. She left her post to go talk to her buddy at the other post. Kind of negates the point of a security guard. I mean, if you're not going to be at your post, then what's the point of your security? It's insecure. So secure, insecure. So then I go to punch in 
check in. Then she goes, uh, oh, um, do you, do you want to, do you want to check in here or do you want to check in at the other post? Do you want to check in at the other post or do you want to check in here? Now, wait a minute. So let me get this straight. I walked all the way over here to check in just to walk all the way over there to check in. Does that make any fucking sense? What the bumbleclut fuck are you talking about? Why would I walk all the way over here to just walk all the way over there to check in? Of course I would have rather checked in over there. Is she playing a game with me? It's nonsensical. Why is she talking nonsense? Does that make any sense? I walked all the way over here to walk back all the way over there to check in? That don't make any sense. But the question, the better question, why am I getting wrapped up in somebody else's nonsense? She's obviously talking nonsensically. She's obviously trying to cover up her lack of judgment for her work, her lack of accountability. She's obviously trying to cover something up. She's obviously talking nonsensically. She's basically saying to me, Oh, would you rather do, do you want to do something very, do you want to do something counterproductive instead of doing something productive? Do you want to take the harder route instead of the common sense route? Like she's speaking nonsensically to me. Which makes me go, why is she speaking nonsensically? What does this mean? Better question. What does that have to do with me? I know what I need to do. I need to behave sensically. That's my modus operandi. My MO, method of operation. I operate sensically. So I just said, um, okay, yes, diddly-dum, diddly-doo. Thank you very much. And I went along my way. Didn't really engage with it. Didn't make no huffy-puffy show of anything, display. I just kind of said, okay, dumbly doo diddly do. Signed in, checked in. Went upon, went upon my merry way. And in doing that, I focus on myself rather than focusing on others. Changing myself for the better versus trying to change, manipulate, and control others. Form my own reality versus trying to control the reality around me. And that's relatable to anything you do. Business. Personal accountability in business. So this has been a very eye-opening week for me in terms of business. Um, You know. And it was a real blessing. It really was. And, you know, for myself personally, I believe in God. And, you know, living that Christ love, do unto others as you will have done unto you. And, you know, I extend that out to anyone out there. 
working towards theirs, bustling and hustling hard with their careers, their goals, their dreams, you know? Put the eyes upon you. Put the magnifying glass upon you. Do what you need to do. Don't worry about others. That's their business. That's their problem. Do you. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Treat all aspects of your business life as your personal business. That will give you the insight, fortitude, and work ethic to succeed, build, grow your dream. And it's just, it's just been a blessing. And who knows what the next week has in store for me. Might be a complete shit sandwich, right? But at the end of the day, I'm going to keep my eyes on myself. I'm going to treat others the way I want to be treated. I'm just going to keep moving forward. And um, very grateful for it. Noi Productions, folks. N-O-I. Noi Productions. You know, this has been week one. And, you know, the journey's ahead. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran, reporting live for duty on this magnificent March. What is it? 20th. In the year of our Lord, 2021. Yeah. Growth in business. Eyes on the prize. Eyes on yourself. Yes, folks. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, my own website, jnathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're digging the show, please help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. All right? Peace.